0: Welcome to the kitchen sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker.
1: Now, it's the time for the leader to qualify.
0: Thank you. Hi, my name is Judy. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I always feel like we should put a little warning label. Before starting this meetings, so to you new people I'm so happy you're here and what I want to say is as friendly and welcoming and warm as we are and if we saw you in prison we'd give you a hug but bottom line is that if you stick around here we're probably going to mess with your relationship with food so on one level I know you come here seeking that but on another level you know hold on to your seat. Uh, so uh, I want to share with you uh, what I've gotten from this program, what recovery looks like for me up to today, and I heard someone about negotiating her abstinence, and abstinence changes, I've changed, a lot of things change, and actually, I don't do change, you know, that's what uh, got me here, is my wanting to hold on and feel secure. And what I tell people a lot is if you want to lose the fat risk, you have to live at risk. And I live at risk today, on the edge of my comfort zone, just a little bit leaning in. But uh, when I get too comfortable, it doesn't work for me. So um, on Thanksgiving morning in 1974, many of you weren't even born then. I woke up crying and shaking in my fourth day of sugar withdrawals. I had been to my first OA meeting the previous Monday. And I heard a lot of you saying you're in your fifth day. Oh, God bless you. Because the fourth through the sixth day is the worst. Really, that's what I found. That's why I always gave up my diets on Thursday. Because they always started on Monday. And by Thursday, I had the heebie-jeebies. But somehow, this lady I had picked at the meeting, I called her. Now, my husband had just come off of a three-day drunk, and he was building bookshelves in the next room. Because after his drunks, I always got a lot of good carpentry work. That was kind of our trade-off, you know. We had a lot of different trade-offs. In fact, our major trade-off was that I wouldn't say anything about his drinking if he wouldn't say anything about my eating. That was the big trade-off. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I called up this lady. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to Aunt Myra's for Thanksgiving, blah, 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 blah. And she helped talk me off that ledge and gave me a, a, a kind of a plan for how to handle that afternoon. And it was a, it was much easier and softer than what I had in mind, you know, but I really got the message that If you are working it with another OA person and you are trying to stay honest and open about what you're doing, that's what it's about. It's not about certain substances. It's not about – and it also has to do with how you're taking in the substance, you know. If you're standing over a sink inhaling celery, that's compulsive eating, you know. So it's complicated. Such a complicated word, this abstinence deal. I've been here 46 years, and I can tell you that I love that I keep coming back. But anyway, so I got the message that morning. She said, go into a little room and write, you know. And so I very dramatically told my husband, I'm going to write. And as I was writing, I got a mess, um, an image of myself when I was five years old, and I was walking down. Uh, I lived in Germany after the war in 1950. I was walking down a bombed-out street by myself, and there was sidewalk was cracked. And I looked down, and somewhere I heard this message, just stay on the path. Just stay on the path. And I didn't believe in any of this zoobie stuff, and I thought most of you were kooks uh but that message came to me, and I'll say, I've been on this path now for 46 years, and I'm grateful as hell. I'm maintaining an 80-pound weight loss. I look gorgeous, in my opinion, and that's the only one that counts. And, um, but I've really, really changed as a human being, and, and I hope I can tell you about some of that now. Um, I came here very angry. You know, at that first meeting, I looked around at the people there, and I said, their mumus aren't as nice as mine. I had on a green mumu with big red flowers. And my flip-flops were kind of cool. And uh, I didn't think they were as fancy-dancy as I was, nor as intelligent. That's the main thing. Uh, now, here's the thing. I was already a licensed family therapist at 222 pounds. I had great wisdom for many people, um, but I could not stop this self-destructive relationship I had with this substance. Uh, so, anyway, I started on this journey, and I made it through Thanksgiving, and here I am. That first year, I lost 60 pounds, and my husband lost his job due to his alcoholism. Um, And uh, Pan Am was very nice with their EAP program, and they gave him a second chance. He lost it again. Uh, I'm watching all this because I'm an alcoholism supervisor, and I could not fix my dear husband that I loved very, very much. Um, but that drove me to al Oh, by the way, uh Vincent, let's put up my before pictures just because I know I always wanted to see how much weight you lose, how much weight you lose. I didn't want to hear from anybody unless they could verify that they'd lost a lot of weight. So it's a little fuzzy, but that's me before the program. Uh, I was in a marketplace in uh Saigon. And uh, a lady came up to me, and she kind of stared at me. Uh, you could take it down now, but uh, just look at the arms. Notice those big arms. And she came up to me, and she'd never seen anyone like me. And she took her finger and she pushed it into my upper arm because she wanted to see, you know, if it would pop back or if I was like a balloon or whatever. I don't know what she wanted. But I remember standing in that marketplace and suffering what we talk about here, painful and incomprehensible demoralization, you know. That's why we say you've paid your dues. Take a seat, honey. Relax. And I had had mortification like that all my life. As a kid, fatty, fatty, two by four, can't get through the bathroom door, and you know the rest. Um. None of that helped me or stopped me. No long fingers from nutritionists. Nothing punitive. Not my great intelligence and understanding of the psychological dynamics of why I was eating. I could just stand at the fridge and explain. Ten minutes? Is that what you said? Oh, my God. Okay, then. Um, Anyway. At Al Anon they told me, I said, I don't leave the SOB. They said, you know, we recommend you wait at least a year. And during that year start working on yourself and you'll get a better understanding of who you are and choices you can make. And I was already getting trained in uh learning that my choices around food weren't always the smartest. Uh they were mean, but they weren't smart. And uh so I became willing to follow direction, and the next many, many years have been about that. I had the open-mindedness to realize that my little brain didn't know everything. And there were many other experiences, but I'll tell you those at some other time uh, when we do a retreat or something. I always like those better when you can talk longer and slower. Um, anyway, um My husband died of alcoholism, and then I became a total workaholic. I became so invested in my work, and I was running all over L.A. County with many consulting positions and training probation officers and supervising alcoholism programs and losing my weight. And my sponsor said, you know, you're cruising for a bruising. You're on a dry drunk. You're overscheduled. You are crazed. You have to give up some of this work. Oh, my God, don't I want this work? It fills my soul, and it also fills my ego, and it's good for me. And good for me to work at the Navy hospital treating Betty Ford and all these dignitaries and all these sailors flirting with me. Isn't that good for me? She said, I don't care what you give up. I'm just telling you that you don't smell good from here. So I gave up the Navy hospital 20 hours a week. The next week, the administrator of an alcoholism hospital where I was said, geez, you've been losing a lot of weight. Boom, boom. He asked me if I would start the nation's first eating disorder unit at his hospital. I didn't ask for it. I, it was part of my recovery. You see, do what you're reco- what's, what serves your recovery. Follow direction about what serves your recovery. I went on to uh, not know what the hell I was doing, but create the nation's first eating disorder unit. I I had to give a speech to the doctors. I called my sponsor. I said I can't I can't even understand what I wrote in these notes. She said, "Well, get down on your knees and pray." I said, "Are you nuts?" I said, "That's fine for those meetings, but this is medicine." And she said, "What they always say, well." That's what I would do. So I did. I gave a lousy speech. And P.S. the next day the doctors all voted to accept this program. I thought it was a lousy speech. But something in me knew after turning it over that you better be quiet, not so razzmatazz selling, but just the facts, ma'am, only the facts. I gave them the facts and I went for it. So things went on like this, developing this for about five years. And then because of a very jealous and kind of mean psychiatrist that I worked with, I lost that treatment program. I was in love with it. It was my baby. It was clutched out of my arms. And I thought it's the end of the world. And everybody in my life said, oh, my God, what's the thing? You got to sue this SOB. And in the program, they said, God doesn't close one door without opening a new one. I said, oh, shut up, right? And what could I do? All I could do is I better get back to my desk. I was out of work. I was in the parking lot. My French lover at the time had to go in and pack up my my desk in boxes. (sighs) What else can I do? I better sit down and finish writing my Ph.D. dissertation. I've been going to school all this time, too. I wrote that. It became a bestseller. You know, I sent it to New York with this friend of mine to his agent. I was on Oprah three times. Every time, and I launched this big television career, teaching people all over the country. Big stuff that I was really, really afraid of. And every time, 11-step prayer, let me be a channel of thy peace. Let it flow through me. It's not about me. And, oh, shoot, there's the phone. Boy, how do you like that? Off, no. Sorry. Anyway, um, things got wonderful. I Everything got great. I wrote three more books. I, I had a fabulous, fabulous career. Uh, ex- now I'm I'm retired from that. About um, golly, there's so many surrenders, you know. Uh, I've never had children, so my books were my babies, and I've had to, and I'm still writing, and I have to struggle every time to to have that new relationship, just like. The new relationship with food, my relationship with the message is coming to me. I wanted to tell you that, you know, I asked my sponsor, shall I sue this guy when that happened? So traumatic for me. And we said, let's, let's investigate what furthers your recovery. So I didn't sue him because I knew I couldn't handle it. I went and wrote the book. P.S. ended up, you know, so it's things like that over and over and over. My best thinking needs to be consulted, so uh, with another person, and I still do that today. I still have a sponsor today. I still talk over things when I have the rids, restless and irritable and discontent, you know, and I work it out. Um. So, so about 20, 25 years ago. I met a wonderful man. i would had a lot of men in between. That's another story. Interesting stuff. Um, And we've been together and having a lovely, lovely life together, traveling around the world. And he's a really straight person, guys. You know, he doesn't know anything about the kind of stuff I used to be through. He raised five kids. He went to Cornell. He's a veterinarian. He's like upstanding, solid citizen. And I remember when I was first dating after Howard died, and I said, I keep choosing alcoholics. I keep going through the same dance. And my sponsor said, you know, you're not ready for the guy you want to end up with. You're just not ready. Well, I don't like that. But it was true. You know, I never would have picked that guy in my earlier life. I never would have chosen what's the thing I love most about him, his integrity. His honesty, his, his confidence and naturalness to be himself. All things I never sought out in another person. I sought out the gamers and the con men and the tap dancers like me, and we danced across that bar. Uh, I've become a different person. And uh, I'll probably close with this, I guess. I it has it it's been very gradual. And uh when Henry and I first got together, you know, he had all grown children at the time, and uh they started getting married. And there was this issue about me going to the weddings and his ex and these kind of things that, you know, come up. And and Henry said, They all have to accept that, you know, you I'm with you now. I mean, I like them all and we get along. But I said, you know. And this just came. I said, you know, I don't think I should be at the wedding. I said, you know, this woman dedicated her whole life to raising these children. And this wedding is very important to her. And I said, I don't need to be there in my fancy dress, showing off, dancing. This is her day. And not me. It's not about me. I'd rather step aside. And I'll tell you, when that was truly in my heart of hearts, how I felt, I was shocked. I wasn't doing it to look good. It just felt right. And though that's the kind of person I've become today. I'm not self-sacrificing. I'm not a martyr, but I pay attention to what I'm putting out in the world. And I'd rather be a force for love and support and kindness. And boy, Don't we all need kindness in what's going on in the world today? And I have found people on the phone are kinder. People are gentling down. The kind of stuff that's taken me 46 years in OA to be. Of course, I'm attracting those kind of people to me today. My time is up. So I'm attracting you to me. And I just want to say to have a flexitarian food plan and a flexitarian recovery And on the back of the coin we get every year, it says, to thine own self be true. And that's the work. Finding out your path, staying on your path, and doing it with your personal integrity. And with all the openness and visibility so that you don't have to do that cat dance in the sandbox covering up doo-doo. I don't care what you know about me today. I have nothing to hide. I am relaxed and content, and I welcome any questions. And if you want to get in touch with me, email me, judihollis at aol.com, judyhollis at aol.com. Thank you. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share,
1: please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are their own. And not those of operators Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. Then the secretary
0: will call on you, and you can then unmute and ask your question. So, with that said, I see a few raised questions uh, raise hands already. So I'm gonna pass it on to
1: Nancy B to ask the first question. My name is Nancy. B, I am a compulsive overeater, 100-pounder. I've been in this program for 44 years, coming right after Judy laid down the foundation for me to step on. And um, I've been maintaining 150-pound weight loss. My question to you is this. What is it that you did that you passed on to me and that I have done for 44 years that has allowed us to get to a normal weight and to have such a great life, to be so happy, to be able to color and to play and, and to do such good in this world, what did we do that we can tell all these thousands of people that will listen to this podcast that they can do too? What is it that's not happening that people are relapsing so much and struggling so much? Part of it is the disease, but I wonder if you could answer a bit about that.
0: Gee, well I uh, I really don't like all that buildup. I don't uh, I don't see uh, something I did I. Really, I just wanted to keep my weight off and I followed direction is what I did. And, uh, I didn't do anything any different than anyone else does. Uh, we share our experience, strength, and hope. And, uh, we're all in this together. We're like little gerbils huddled together. I, I need everybody and everybody needs me. And none of us has more of a, of a message or a, you know, just to stay true to my own individual path and welcome others along the road. You know, uh, one of my teachers always said, in the end, basically, we're just walking each other home.
1: Thank you. Uh, Riley F. Judy, first of all, thank you so much for your share. When you talked about the wedding, you talked about your thought process and deciding not to attend which I admire your bravery. How do you get from knowing something intellectually in your head to knowing it in your heart?
0: Thank you. That's a great question. Uh, You know, a lot of times they tell us act as if. You know, this program is about action. It's about the behaviors you take on. It's not about what you think. So, uh with the guidance and support of a sponsor, for example, you know, like when I was doing TV shows and all the rest and I was scared and I'd talk to my sponsor first and, and try to trust that I wasn't bringing in my own ego stuff, what my intentions were. This takes a lot of work. It's constantly examining what are my intentions and uh, what effects do I want to put out in the world? Uh I'm just saying at that particular moment, it happened instinctively without my having to think it through first. It automatically felt this is the right thing to do. Uh, But that was after many years in program. And that's why when I talk to people about flexitarian recoveries, I don't mean for the first 20 years. Okay. Uh, When I had treatment centers, people said, well, how long do I have to be on this food plan? And I said, well, (laughs) I said about the first two years, do this for two years. And I'd say that because, you know, two years seemed like an eternity to newcomers. So it got them into the idea that it's going to take a while. Uh, but things change and you grow. Today, I mostly do trust my own judgment, but I did not for a very long time. And... Uh, you know, the reason to be abstinent is to have the clarity so you can feel your body saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, that doesn't feel right for you. Your body will tell you. So that's why I want abstinence. The byproduct is the weight loss. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, not the goal. Thanks for that great question. Thanks. Thank you. So now Michael Blunt.
1: Hey, Judy. Um, Thank you for your share this morning. So you mentioned your husband died of alcoholism, and you had many other men uh, in, in between, and this one is uh, has
0: integrity and honesty, and you've attracted a good man in your life. Um, but you're the same per- I mean, you're not the same person. You have all... What? You went out? When the old Judy comes up in your current relationship... Okay? Ah. Uh, specifically maybe uh, tell us about a time recently or in the recent past when the old Judy comes up and how you work your program to to keep your relationship going with your husband Hmm. (laughs) dirty question Uh, yeah if you want to see how your your program is see how you're behaving at home you know one of my friends says "Uh, nothing like a relationship to put miracle grow on your defects so uh Actually, when we first met, we were both angry people. I mean, even though I'd had great recovery, I was still angry a lot, and he was too. And we really had to negotiate it uh, over and over and over. Uh, uh, Okay, so uh, in February of this year, we had a big car crash. And as a result, the emergency room doctors... uh, We weren't hurt, really, but the emergency room doctors found something, found that Henry had a tumor on his brain. Incidental. Thank God for the crash. We never would have found it. But right now, we've been going through the maze of the medical establishment and pacemaker companies and on and on. So there's still no definitive word about how we want to be treating this yet. He has no symptoms we're fine, uh, but it's been a wonderful time because we're locked into COVID together, number one. We don't know how much time we really have, so we make very conscious choices about how we want to spend our moments with each other. Uh, I go to al This whole thing threw me really back into al again because I wanted to manage and control his recovery and save him and call the doctors and ba pa ba you know. Uh, So, right now, I'm in a a real place of peace, love, good vibes, you know. Uh, It's hard to remember uh, some of our things, but basically, he's macho and he wants to do things his own way, and uh, I have to accept and respect my fellow human beings, all of them, including the man I love. So, I'm sorry if that didn't answer your question, but I will tell you that that is something on my plate right now, and I appreciate any prayers and hope. And uh, September, we get to look at another MRI, perhaps, and see where we're going. And you breathe into it. Thank you. Julie T? Thank you, Judy. You really touched me. How do you balance the ego gratification that comes with a big successful life with the humility that's needed to stay abstinent? Great. Thank you. And actually, uh, you know, earlier someone mentioned relapse, too much relapse. Oh, boy, relapse is a wonderful indicator that one is off track. You know when I, when my ego gets too big, I'll tell you my food hits me right in the back of the knees. you know, I just start maybe picking up a few crumbs, you know, or grabbing something as I walk by the counter, or you know because today I do not weigh and measure and call in my call in my abstinence. I did it for twenty years, and even the next twenty did it most of the time. But uh I mostly have a sane relationship with this substance. I would say 95% of the time it's not an issue. But uh that's why we're blessed to have this program. This is the graduate school of all the programs. Because on a daily basis, we have to savor that love object three to five times a day. And that sets up all kinds of longing and intimacy issues and, uh, control issues and on and on. We are blessed, but, uh, there's nowhere we can go. There's nothing you can eat, drink, buy, or kiss that makes any difference. Gotta do the work. Thank you. And we have five more minutes for
1: questions. Oh, okay. Thank you. So now, Sweet Sarah from Iowa. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Judy. I was not able to hear your whole share, but I just love how you how you see things and how you are able to uh, put such a gentle focus on food and on your recovery. And not. Talk a little bit about the flex. Is it flexogenarian or flexitarian? Talk a little bit more about that, if you would, please. Flexitarian. Yeah. No,
0: flexitarian. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I to tell you the truth, I really hate to talk about food now, and I won't work with people who want to have a food sponsor. You do that over there. I do with the steps. Uh, but they are so intimately related. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that uh, last week I had just made a donation to the L.A. Uh, intergroup on the web. And then I called Sweet Sarah from Iowa, who I had heard at another meeting. She was a speaker, and I thought she was so great. So I called her, and boom, right after that phone call, Nancy called me to speak at this meeting. So just a little advertisement commercial for OA. If you make a donation to the inner group, they'll call you to be the speaker.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, um flexitarian, because life intrudes. Uh, You know, I traveled all over the world. I was on different time zones, whatever else. And every day, renegotiating what's the food plan going to look like. I'll tell you, I'm writing a book about my three different trips to Bali with three different men. Um, The second trip to Bali, I was in the heart of my weight and measured called in. I was going to be gone for a month. I bought 30 Postcards of those postcards that are already stamped, and then i I've ordered my sponsor's address stamped them on, on the back of every one of these postcards, and every day, I wrote down and emailed to her what I ate and anything else I wanted to share. That's the kind of rigidity I had or the kind of necessity I had. I had to do it that way. Because I couldn't trust myself not to lie to myself. But I wouldn't lie to her, you know. Uh, by myself, I decide that ice cream is fish. It's a protein. But uh, with her, you know, there's a different deal. So uh, just, you know, sometimes it's better for me to spread my food out and eat five times a day. But there was a stage of my life that that would be called grazing. Grazing. Because I didn't have the wherewithal to to see the size of portions and all of that stuff, so um, I think uh, less needs to be said about flexitarian. You know, it's something you work out with your sponsor. Just don't experiment without visibility.
1: Excellent. Thank Thanks, uh, Julianne. Hall.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Hi. Um, my question is, have you had relapses where you gained weight, or have you gained weight in abstinence, and how did that affect you? Because I feel like the body dysmorphic disorder has never gone away for me, and the way that I – unless I'm at my perfect goal weight, I feel kind of self-conscious, and I'm only at my perfect goal weight here and there during the year. So I'm just curious what your experience with that is. Well, I you know, I've never – uh, reached my perfection and my goal weight. You know, Uh I wanted, my idea was I was going to be here for six months and lose a 100 pounds and be a prom queen and leave. I didn't think 46 years later I'd wake up early on a Saturday morning to be talking to OA folks. But uh, I I never lost the 100 pounds. I wanted to be a 100-pounder. But, you know, it's been at about 80, 85. I I think I've been 5 pounds thinner than I am right now. 5 pounds less, but I'm not as but I wasn't as muscular at that weight, you know. Uh right now I like to look at function more than form. So what I want to answer your question that I have gained as much as 10 pounds in my recovery and then come back down. I never went more than that. Uh like I say I could be 5 pounds thinner if I got really focused on this thing but I don't want to live that way but I I think it's important for newcomers to live that way because it gets your attention teaches you about discipline things that I needed to learn I needed to learn nobody dies of starvation between lunch and dinner biggie for me but uh so I guess that's my answer good to see you